Good evening. Um, we find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 7 this evening. Welcome those of you that are joining online. Um, whenever we deal with the subjects of uh, Proverbs chapter 5, uh, 6, and 7, uh, there's always a certain amount of care that needs to be taken. Um, and so if I say something that you go, <gasps> um, don't be afraid to ask questions, um, maybe after the sermon, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, oh, a lot of fun here. So let's pray. Well, let's read uh, Proverbs chapter 7, and then we'll pray. Put my eyeballs on so I can see it. My son, obey my words and treasure my commands. Keep my commands and live. Protect my teachings as the pupil of your eye. Tie them to your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your relative. She will keep you from a forbidden woman, a stranger with her flattering talk. At the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths, a young man lacking sense, crossing the street near her corner. He strolled down the road to her house at twilight in the evening in the dark of the night. A woman came to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, having a hidden agenda. She is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home, now in the street, now in the square. She lurks at every corner. She grabs him and kisses him. She brazenly says to him, I've made fellowship offerings. Today I fulfilled my vows, so I came out to meet you, to search for you, and I found you. I've spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until morning. Let's feast on each other's love. My husband isn't home. He went on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him and will come home at the time of the full moon. She seduces him with her persistent pleading. She lures with her flattering talk. He follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer bounding toward a trap, until an arrow pierces its liver like a bird darting into a snare. He doesn't know it will cost him his life. Now, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to my words of the words of my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways, nor stray into her paths, for she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your love, for your care, for the teaching of your word. As we consider... Uh, what Solomon is trying to teach his son. And here is the man of wisdom, the one gifted by you with uh, so much wisdom, so much understanding, and yet he even fell in this particular area. So we know, Lord, that any one of us can be captured by it, and we just pray that you would uh, give us grace to guard your word in our heart and that we might uh, be able to live uh, purely and acceptable to you in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so the Father's seventh lesson, which was the lesson we saw in chapter 6, but now he's illustrating it. 
Um, in chapter 6, he talked about listening to him uh, and preventing uh, the young man from falling into sin. And here he's going to give us an example of a young man that does exactly that. So the repeated call, again, uh, each time he calls his son to listen, and he is normally four or five verses. That's where I've started uh, the next lesson, if you will. So here he's calling to uh, listen, but now he's going to illustrate the lesson, not teach him a new one. So we have the call to listen. Proverbs 2, one says the same thing. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Here he says, keep my words, treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Leviticus 18.5 says, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, uh, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 32.10, He found him in a desert land and in a waste, uh, wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Proverbs 4.4, 4, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. And Isaiah 55.3, incline your ear and come to me, hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. So uh, we see here, keep the commands and live. Uh, my law is, and, and my law is the apple of your eye. In today's day and age, the Word of God by people in the church is put on a table. It collects dust. It's brought out when you need to bring it to church. And of course, many people today, and this is not a, this is not a complaint, many people today have their Bible on their phones or on their tablets, and they're using that in church. I'm not complaining about that, but for the most part, a lot of Christian people, or at least people that profess to be Christians, do not hold the word in high regard. Even many churches are acting directly contrary to what the Word of God teaches. Uh, we try to be a church that teaches the Word of God, that holds to the Word of God, that follows the Word of God. Now, when I say that, a lot of people would like to start looking at individual rules in the Word of God. If you're listening this morning, we're not interested in all of the little individual rules. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And we walk by faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, not in the things that we can do, but we act according to who we are. And when you allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly and you follow it the way we should, you experience life. It is life to us. Jesus Christ is our life. And that's all brought to a fervor as the word of God is going in and we're looking at it. And uh, okay, I've got the memory verses back there. You guys are I picked all the verses that I already knew, so I wouldn't have to work on those. I'm memorizing Psalm 27 right now. I've tried to get a couple of other guys involved in it. Uh, one guy I know is at about four verses. I'm at about five verses over the last two weeks. Uh, someone else, uh, well, I've got to check on a guy tomorrow, I think. 
and another guy tonight. See how we're doing. We don't have to have it word perfect. We need to be putting it in. It'll get word perfect as we go along. Uh, but we've got to be people of the word. We've got to keep it as the apple of your eye, that kind of a thing. He goes on to say, make my teaching a part of your life. Now, he doesn't say it that way. He says, bind them on your fingers. Okay, the idea is you're tying it onto your finger. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh, a couple more verses here, Deuteronomy 6, 8. You shall bind them on a, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless be, uh, between your eyes. Uh, the Jewish people took this in a literal fashion. They would actually uh, have a box that would either sit here on their hand and then a cord would be wrapped around their uh, arm, or they put it right here on their forehead. And usually in that box, they had Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses, I think, 4 through 9. Okay, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one uh, Lord, that kind of a thing. And all of that, uh, they, they took this literally, and I, I don't think the Father or God in Deuteronomy is trying to say, make sure you got your box on your hand, as much as it's become a part of your life. Uh, Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Proverbs 3.3, 3, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 6.21, bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. Uh, you might remember in the Old Testament many times, God told uh, Joshua, for example, in Joshua chapter 1, that you're not to uh, let the word depart out of your mouth. And, you know, the first time I read that, it's kind of like, uh, but I thought we were supposed to be telling people. The, the idea is, you know how when you're disciplining children, it kind of goes in one ear, it might bounce around a couple times and goes out the other. That's the idea of the word departing from your mouth, where it's not become a part of you. He wants you to make the word a part of you. So, in fact, if you go to uh, John chapter 6, where Jesus says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Obviously, he is not promoting cannibalism as much as you need to believe in such a way that it's a part of you. It's, it's not just something that you hang on to on the side. It's life to you, that kind of a thing. And so uh, you see that there over and over. Uh, he goes a little bit further and says, to, uh, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. Uh, throughout uh, Proverbs so far, he has talked about getting wisdom, and with all of your getting, get understanding. Uh, this is looking at life from the perspective of God. How would God want to handle this situation? When you go to James chapter 1, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience. But let patience have her perfect work, so that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Now, in the midst of that trial, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. God is not going to rebuke you, and he is going to give liberally that which is necessary so that you can get through the trial in a way that's pleasing to him. And then he has a reward for those that actually do it. The other option is the trial becomes a temptation because you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. 
Those are, if you want to get technical, those are your only two responses to trials. I'm looking to do it God's way, or, you know, this is a real pain in my plans and agenda. Oh, so uh, those are things to take into consideration. May, uh, t- say to wisdom, she's my sister. Call understanding your nearest kin. These need to become a part of you. The result, that they may keep you from the immoral woman. Now, notice Proverbs 2.16, Proverbs 5.3, Proverbs 6.24. This has been talked about already three times. Now, here we are in chapter 7. We're in the fourth time. Okay, why is this an issue? Well, I remember hearing a couple say years ago, if we can just get our kids through the teen years without being involved in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Notice which one was first. (laughs) Okay, Uh, sure, we don't want our kids to fall in those areas Well, not so much the rock and roll. Uh, You can talk about rock and roll another time. But obviously, sex and drugs have their issues that cause a great deal of problems for people. Um, But the reality is, is why does it keep on saying that it'll keep you from the immoral woman, that it'll keep you from this thing? Because this is the easiest area for people to fall, number one. And number two, when kids rebel against their parents' authority and become their own authority. They lack sense. They're without wisdom. This is the area that they will trip up in, can I say, every single time. Okay? So, yeah, we want to keep them from it, but you want to know the best way to keep them from it? Look at what it says right here as well as in those other three passages. Listen to me. Keep my commandments. Make them a part of you and then you'll be saved from. But we don't think kids can understand theological things. They're too young. They don't under... Can I say baloney? If they're taught, they can learn it. Kids are like sponges. Sponges that don't have any water in them yet. They will... Soak that in if you give them an opportunity. Of course, that probably means that mom and dad actually have to be on top of things also, which once again, when we go to the value of the Word of God in the average Christian life, if it isn't of value in yours, maybe it's something you need to make of value. I was recently counseling a young man, well, actually marriage counseling, but speaking to the young man specifically, uh, he came into Christianity a little bit later in his life, and um, so he's not a reader. A lot of men aren't. I, I encourage the men that come to my Bible study to be, make yourself read. Yeah, but I don't understand it. The more you do, the more you'll understand, but you've got to make yourself because being visually oriented and more activity-oriented, uh, men would just soon watch a football game or go hunting than sit down and read a book. And so I encouraged this young man to uh, uh, pick a book. I told him some of the ones I was reading. He bought one of them, and uh, first week, he looked at it. The second week, he read a page. The third week, he didn't get any further. And I said, look... Nothing's going to change in your life if you don't change something in your life. Okay? 
So if the Word of God doesn't have value for you, and you're recognizing, you know, I'm kind of living with the consequences of some of my decisions because I haven't used wisdom, haven't had understanding. Well, if you don't change something, nothing's going to change. So get into the Word. We have the Read Through the Bible in a Year plan, and there are many, many more. I know Jeff has done the chronological one several times. Uh, you've even worked that with your kids, I believe. Uh, doing it right now. Uh, when my kids were at home, we w read through the Bible together. I loved it when we came to these chapters because my kids would do the reading and their faces would turn red. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, in the King James, back at that time, that's the version we used, whenever it talked about a donkey, you know the word that it used, and my kids would look at me like, Am I supposed to say that? <laughs> but uh, the Word of God has to be important in our lives. If it's not, we can pretty well expect that we're going to suffer the consequences of not making it important. Uh, that's probably the best way to say that. And then it goes on to say, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Uh, Proverbs 5.3 uh, says, for the lips of the immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Uh, might I say, in our political realm in today's day and age, uh, the, the immoral woman might very well be the news. They tell you all kinds of things. And if you're smart, and they haven't been afraid to say this, if you're smart, you'll listen to them because they know they're giving you all the truth and, and it's fair and balanced and all that kind of stuff. And yet, what is she doing? She's flattering, she's directing and guiding people down a path where people don't know hardly anything in this day and age as to what's right, what's wrong. I mean, if you think it's wrong for kids to be taught in school that they might be a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy's body, there's something wrong with you. And it's kind of like, no, okay? Um, and politicians, of course, have an awful lot to do with that too, but let's move on. Letter B, the illustration of the seduction of the immoral woman, verses 6 through 23. First of all, uh, Solomon establishes himself as the witness of the seduction. He says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple I perceived among the youths. So obviously uh, we see where he's looking out the window. Um, have a young man that comes to my house on Tuesday evenings and we're uh, going through a particular study on uh, the marks of maturity and all of a sudden a bicycle comes up my street. Now you might not think that's a, a big deal, but We've had, I don't know how many drug dealers live in one of the houses down the road. And uh, so all the druggies are, and they're almost always on bicycles or they're walking, uh, heading up and down the street. I just, I see it. It's kind of like, okay, um, that's how it works. I'm looking out the window and I see this. Uh, now I've had a talk with some of the people down the street. Uh, I can say that the ones that I've talked to were friendly. I haven't accused them of dealing drugs or anything like that. I just see the two police cars out there from time to time and know what's going on. Uh, but uh, the reality is, is he's looking out the window, just like uh, an older guy might do. Uh, but who is he seeing? He's seeing youth. Now, the terrible thing is 
in this particular case, you might remember a song that came out years ago. Standing on the corner, walking, and all the girls go by. Well, that, that's the idea here, okay? He's seeing this young guy, and this young guy is doing that which is ultimately going to lead him into the sin uh, that is going to capture him. Uh, he moves on to the subject of the seduction. Uh, first of all, he says that he's a young man devoid of understanding. And he says that a couple of different times here. Proverbs 6.32 sa- says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Uh, Proverbs uh, 9.4 says, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him. Uh, Verse 16, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him. Now, in uh, chapter 9, you're going to see he is going to talk about two different women, one being the immoral woman, not in the sense of... uh, an actual woman, but of folly, and the other one being wisdom. They're both calling out to young people. And of course, which one will they listen to? Uh, That is always the difficult thing here. But uh, he's devoid of understanding. It is amazing when you look at young people, especially young people that have rejected the authority of their parents or of adults in general. They establish themselves as their own authority. Usually, between the two, they're going to uh, find themselves in the midst of what we call pooled ignorance. They go and find out what they ought to do from all of their friends. Pooled ignorance. You might remember the word sophomore. Now, this is 10th grade or, if you will, the second year of college, depending on what grade level we're talking about. But a sophomore, the word sophomore, basically means wise fool. So they've come to a a place where they think they know. And, of course, they know pretty much nothing yet. So he's a young man devoid of understanding. Uh, Wrong place, wrong time. Well, he's passing along the street near her corner. Got a young lady down the street from us that, um, well, she likes doing little favors for men. And there are three or four guys that like to participate in those little favors. It's kind of like, why would you go there? Well, they're gaining something from it, obviously. But this, she's, uh, this guy is passing along the street near her corner. He took the path to her house. How many times have young people gotten in trouble just because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time? But why were they in the wrong place? I can handle it. I, I, I can handle it. I, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, yeah, okay. Hey, like that? I broke my glasses. Well, we'll figure it out as we go along here. Um, Notice, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Job 24.15 says, The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight, saying, No eye will see me, and he disguises his face. Uh, Usually when people want to do wrong, uh, they wait until after dark. Uh, We've had people come by our house, and uh, they like rummaging through our cars if we forget to lock them. Um, 
We learned a long time ago that locking them is a good idea. Uh, what are they going to take out of our car? Well, we keep a quarter in the cup holder for Aldi's. Every now and again, there might be a quarter, a couple of pennies, a dime, and a nickel. Well, usually, the quarter will be missing. The pennies, the dime, and the nickel do me no good at Aldi's, but uh, they'll, they'll take the quarter at least. Um, I don't know that they've gotten much of anything else because we don't keep anything in our cars. They, they might have gotten an umbrella one time. Okay, <laughs> but when do you do it? At nighttime, when everybody's sleeping. Al's Automotive, right next to my house. Uh, they uh, come to me one day and they say, hey, uh, someone stole the hard top on the back of the pickup off the pickup last night. You didn't happen to see anything. It's kind of like, no. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go through the videos and find out when it happened. It happened somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm usually not up at that time, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. So if you're going to do something wrong, that's when it's usually going to happen. And, of course, this young man, he's right there with it. Number three, the seductress and the seduction, verses 10 to 23. First of all, the seductress, her character, verses 10 through 12. She, first of all, with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart, she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. I am amazed. Uh, yes, I, I do the social media type thing. But I'm amazed at this day and age. We were studying Isaiah I can't remember how many weeks ago it was, but it was talking about the haughty daughters of Jerusalem. And it talked about the way they dressed, the way they looked, their character. And as I'm going through social media and seeing, because I, I, in TikTok, I specifically asked for information on couples. Okay, some of it's funny, some of it's informative, and some of it is distressing. And usually the distressing ones, it's women talking about men or men talking about women. And uh, these young ladies, this is a description of them. Okay, uh, notice what it says. Uh, it says that she dresses like a harlot. Okay, now what does that mean? I, I love the... The argument that goes back and forth between young men and young women. Uh, women will dress in the attire of a harlot. What does that mean? She is showing more than she ought to show. Now, in this day and age, the concept of modesty is like speaking a foreign language. Okay? The word modesty basically means not drawing attention to. Okay? So some girl comes along and she's wearing baggy uh, sweats with pink written across the back end. So as she walks by, what are you going to see? Pink, 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 you know, that kind of a thing. Now, does a guy need to control himself? Sure enough. How does God make men? How does God make women? Men are visually stimulated. Now, do they need to control themselves even though they're visually stimulated? Yes. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not trying to blame women for men who are not controlling themselves. But it does say that a woman is to, well, it says all people should be dressed modestly, not drawing attention to oneself. And when you look at how our culture is dressing these days, um, very, very similar to Brazil, you know, when uh, Edgemont sent a team down to Brazil, I had to tell the guys, look, this culture is different than ours. 
They think about sex differently than we do. Even in the church, you will see women that compared to the world, they're modest. But compared to the United States church, they're not modest. Okay? Do not judge them according to the United States rules. Understand that they're actually making an effort not to be like their worldly counterparts. Um, that's not always the truth, by the way. But uh, the reality is, is the way a woman dresses says something about her character. Uh, one of the things that we try and teach young ladies is, look, what you catch them with is what you're going to have to keep them with. And, well, guys are they're, they're quick to be caught by the, the visual stimuli. In uh, 1 Thessalonians it says, this is the will of God, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. This is the will of God. Your sanctification is involved in this whole process that you abstain from fornication, that no one defraud his brother. The concept of defrauding is when you're promising something that you cannot righteously give. Well, if you're stimulating a guy's visual through what you're presenting, you cannot righteously fulfill that unless you're Miriam, which not too many people are doing these days. So whole point being is, Clothing, the way a woman dresses, does make, uh, it does say something about her. It goes on to say a crafty heart. Uh, so obviously within this, she's, she's got plans, agenda. Um, saw recently a video of a baseball player that three years ago was accused of uh, raping a young lady. And she... Uh, was going through the legal system to get him in trouble and get some money out of it. The lawyers offered uh, for a settlement a few times. Well, the baseball player, he's worth some money, and he got his lawyers to subpoena the metadata from her phone because obviously she had canceled it off of her phone, but when they saw the discussion that was going on, had they done something, sure. Uh, did he rape her? Absolutely not. She just accused, but she took a video of her in bed with them the next day. He's over here sleeping, and she's smiling, and it was quite obvious that it was a false accusation. But see, that was all part of her plan. I'm going to get him into bed and then accuse him so that I can get some. Well, that's the crafty heart. Okay, it goes on. She was loud and rebellious. Oh, boy, here we go again. This is where we run into the idea of, okay, there are some people that are a little bit more boisterous in their personality types. Uh, I, I think of a young lady that works at the school. She's a very friendly and flamboyant, and nothing wrong with that. This woman is loud and boisterous, I see this a lot in the culture where women are demanding. Uh, they're not afraid to raise their voice, uh, make everybody know that they're there. And uh, this is really all about me type thing. And uh, that's how she's described here. And again, rebellious. Uh, Proverbs uh, 9.13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and she knows nothing. The clamorous being that loud and rebellious type. Her feet would not stay at home. 1 Corinthians 5.13, 
And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Titus 2.5, the older women are to teach the younger women to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, again, when we go back to those haughty daughters of Jerusalem that I see on social media all the time, uh, the reality is, is they're out clubbing. Uh, They have what they call a body count, all the guys that they've been with and things like that. They don't stay at home. They don't do anything that's domestic. They don't know how to cook. Who would want to marry them? Now, it doesn't mean that wives are only for cooking or anything like that, so get that out of your head. All I'm saying is they bring nothing to the table in a real relationship because they're like this. Notice it says, uh, at times she's outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. Of course, lurking is that idea where you're peeking around the corner. Again, crafty heart, what's she doing that for? Okay, And then, of course, uh, verses 13 to 20, the power of flattery. So she caught him and kissed him. She's pretty bold here. With an impudent face, she said to him, I'm going to establish that I'm a religious person here. She says, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. I've done the religious thing. Okay? And then, attention about him. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. And Revelation, talking about Babylon, uh, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Uh, most of you probably are not following too much the Republican candidates uh, because, well, for whatever reason. But there's a young man called Vivek Ramswamy. I like a lot of the things that he says. Recently, I saw a video of a young Barack Obama that was running for president, and he said a line or two, and then they showed Vivek saying exactly the same line. And then Barack Obama saying a line or two, and then Vivek saying exactly the same line. And they did this several times in the video, and it's kind of like, well, either he's copying Obama because Obama, he got people's attention. Supposedly a good speaker. Everybody says that, but if he didn't have his uh, teleprompter, he did not speak from the heart. He spoke what was on the teleprompter, okay? Uh, Why can Trump speak for an hour, hour and a half, and never use a teleprompter? Because he's telling you what he believes. Now, again, don't always agree with him or anything like that. not trying to promote Trump here. Just saying that everybody gives Obama, uh, uh, you know, praise because he's a good speaker and I'm not sure he believes some of the stuff. He said stuff that people wanted to hear. And now we've got another guy, young guy, has a lot of good ideas, saying things that people want to hear. Is he true to what he's saying, or is he just copying someone else? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying that honestly. Uh, so something to think about. So... Uh, 
She caught him. She kissed him. I've been religious. I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. And then, of course, the setup. She says, I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. Again, going back to the woman in Revelation 17, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So you can see where the uh, prostitute, the immoral woman, uh, is very much like uh, the Antichrist or the Babylonian system of the book of Revelation. Uh, he, she goes on to say, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. All of this is to say this is an inviting situation. It looks good. It feels good. It smells good. Come on, baby. Okay. She goes on with an invitation on the top of the next page. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. And then just to reassure this young man, we won't get caught. For my husband is not at home. Now, I don't know about you, but for my husband, eh, warning flags, red flags, horn, whatever you want to say, but no. Because see, he's not at home, we won't get caught. Not only is he not at home, but he's gone on a long journey which means we're safe. Not only that, to let you know how long he's going to be gone, he's taking a bag of money with him. So unless he went to Las Vegas, where he's going to lose it all real quick, the plan is he's going to be gone for a while. Okay? And then on top of that, she says, and he'll come home on the appointed day. It's like he has a plane ticket and there's no transfers. So he has to come back then and not before. We won't get caught. How many young people have thought they wouldn't get caught? And of course, what did Samuel uh, tell, I think it was Saul, um, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, it may find you out in a lot of different ways, whatever the sin may be. Um, as I pointed out last week, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that all sin is outside of the body. But sexual sin is sin against the body. You know, a lot of uh, people back in the day would like to use that to say, look, uh, sexually transmitted diseases. It's not as though those don't exist, but there's more of a concern for someone who's been involved in that thing and been captured by that thing of what it does to a person in the long term in the spiritual uh, sense and in the mind. It doesn't just go away. There's no quick fix to it. It causes problems for the people. And so uh, it it definitely has its issues. Uh, And uh, you're going to get caught in essence in the sense that it's going to come back and bite you. So that brings us to the fall of the young man. First of all, the tools that are used against him. Notice with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Now, the concept of seduction is, I am promising you something, 
But within the promise, there's a lie. This morning I talked about if you're going to go from idolatry to worshiping God, you're going from worship to worship. The only way you correct this is by getting this one right. You can't try and stop this one, okay? You have to change the focus of worship. And worship is understanding his worth, who he is, what he's really like. And uh, the reality is, is when it comes to this particular thing, she has said things to the point where she's promising something that, sure, sin is pleasurable for a moment. But what she's offering is there's a place where you can worship and get all of the things that God promises you without God. And nothing can do that for you. It does not matter what your sin habit is. Nothing can give you what God can give you. It'll give you the momentary pleasure, but that's it. Then you live with the guilt, the shame, the possible consequences. But you never get what you can only get from God from any of those things. But she seduced him. She lied to him. She, she told him the things that he wanted to hear. Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Psalm 12.2 says, uh, there it is, uh, they speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. And of course, Proverbs 5.3, the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. Um, notice number two, immediately he went after her as an ox to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've been a part of rounding up uh, hogs for slaughter. For whatever reason, hogs, they just got a sense. They do not want to get on that trailer for anything. But a cow... You just lead them right up there. For the most part, it's kind of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and that's the young man following her. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, he thinks he's going to get something out of it, but he's being led to the slaughter. Or is the fool to the correction of the stocks? Uh, of course, we don't use stocks anymore. Maybe we should. Uh, I know a few people here have suggested shock collars, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but it is one of those things where the foolish people do not learn the lesson, so they end up going back and going back and going back again and again. So that brings us to number three, his end. Till the arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Again, speaking of my own past, um, the idol of lust is a terrible master. It does not go away just because you get married. Okay? And the, the reality is, is I'm sure that though pornography isn't talked about very much, uh, at least we don't talk about it a lot here, I, I'm sure there are people involved in that very, very bad habit. And it will leave its mark on that person. And they think they're getting uh, a little bit of pleasure, 
That's all. It, it doesn't hurt. Yes, it does. In fact, for many, it leads them to the next step and to the next step and to the next step where this is the picture that we get here. Uh, it's like an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He does not, it did not know that it would cost him his life. How many men have ruined their marriages because they've gone down this path, whether it be through pornography or through uh, another person. So the, uh, that brings us to letter C, how to avoid her in verses 24 to 27. Now, the reality is, is we already know how to avoid her, verses 1 through 5. But notice he repeats a lot of that. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Now, within this, there is some personal responsibility on the young person's part. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Uh, again, the way I was raised, not saved, so on and so forth. We were looking for opportunities to be involved in this kind of thing. And this father is telling his son, don't go near the path. Stay away from it. Avoid it. Okay? Do not even stray into her path. Now, the idea of stray is you're not intentionally walking in her direction. You're just kind of going and not thinking about it. And before you know, oh, there she is. No, no, no. Don't stray. In other words, be intentional on the way you're going to walk so that you don't end up there. <coughs> Excuse me. The need to be wary. For she has cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. Whole idea here is a lot of guys thought they could handle it, and they couldn't. They became victims. Uh, Nehemiah thirteen twenty six says, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, the very writer of this proverb, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Uh, Revelation 17.6, talking about the uh, Babylonian uh, situation. I, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now again, Babylon, the spirit of Babylon, uh, is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian. And during the tribulation, of course, she's going to do what she can to kill as many of God's people as she can. Uh, letter B, her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Proverbs 2.18, for her house leads down to death and her path to the dead. Proverbs 5.5, 5, her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Proverbs 9.18, but he does not know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of hell. And then, of course, James 1.15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we have a great warning here uh, whenever you uh, might be talking to your children. I know most of us are beyond that, but there are those listening and those here that still have children. Whenever you're listening to your children, uh, this is a, a good passage. Now, might it be a little uncomfortable to talk about it? Sure. Uh, you will grow in your ability to gross your kids out 
It's okay. Uh, whenever our kids are around, we like to kiss and a little bit of PDA, and they go, oh, get a room. And it's kind of like, we have one, we're in it, uh, you can leave. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it is okay that it's a little uncomfortable, but the more you're not openly talking about sinful things, but helping them understand so that they don't go down the path, it is a good thing that uh, we uh, are open and honest with our children about these uh, things. Now, when should you talk to your children? Well, when it's appropriate. Usually, they'll ask questions. And usually, a simple answer will be enough. But that doesn't mean that somewhere in the rush, a simple answer isn't going to be enough. You know, where do babies come from? The stork brings them. Okay. Uh, that's what they might accept when they're younger. But uh, the reality is, is um, recently, Sam, of course, gave birth to Charlotte Lynn, and they brought uh, Baker in, older brother, and um, Baker's smiling because there's mommy and there's a baby, and uh, come over and meet Charlie. That's what uh, Baker calls her. And he said, where's Charlie? He's used to talking to mommy's belly, and where's Charlie? Well, she's right here. Uh, That was good enough for him. He hasn't asked yet, where did Charlie come from? But somewhere in Russia, they're going to have to face that. And it it is okay to deal with the subjects as full as is necessary. Okay? Uh, Any questions or thoughts? Excellent. So let's close in prayer and we'll let you go. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are concerned and have spoken to us about everything that we need to know. We recognize, Lord, that this is one of those uncomfortable subjects, but it is one of the areas where we are so easily deceived by the enemy, and it is so easy to fall. So give us wisdom and grace as we deal with children, as we deal with grandchildren, that we may uh, always point them back to the teaching of your word so that they might uh, be saved from what would naturally be an area where they might fall. Uh, Thank you for the way you have worked in our lives so that we might be free from these things. And if we're not, Lord, that you might open our hearts and minds to the truths that are necessary so that we could walk with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.